views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle on 88.1 WKNC HD1 Raleigh. I'm Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Matt Schneider. First up on today's episode, we have an interview uh, Matthew did with a correspondent from the American Red Cross regarding this week's blood drive at NC State. And after that, Nick brings you a review of Hug a Thunder by Broken Social Scene. And after the break, we'll have local trivia tidbit, this day in history, and some local news. But first, here's Matt. So I'm here with Mike Taylor from the American Red Cross and we are talking about a blood drive that they're putting on in Tally Student Center this week. So I'd like you to introduce yourself, Mike, and talk a little bit about the blood drive coming up. Thanks for speaking with me. Uh, uh, my name is Mike Taylor. I'm with the American Red Cross. We have the annual NC State Mega Drive coming up this Thursday and Friday, October 24th and 25th. It's going to be in the Tally Student Center on the third floor in the state ballroom. We are taking up the whole ballroom because we're hoping to save a lot of lives. It's going to be from 11 to 4.30 in the afternoon, so it's 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. each day. And anybody who donates gets a free American Red Cross t-shirt sponsored by C-SLEPS, as well as a $5 Target e-gift card they'll receive in their email post-donation. Mike, I also understand that there's going to be some food there. Absolutely. Our, uh, our wonderful sponsor at Biscuitville has offered to supply a large amount of food for each day. So it's going to be first come, first serve. But if you're there at the uh, earlier hours of the blood drive, you're, you're very well guaranteed to get yourself a biscuit sandwich or, or some other items that they're sending our way. Okay, great. Now, uh, would you please tell me a little bit about your background with the American Red Cross and some of your share some of your experiences and knowledge about uh, your industry? Absolutely. So, what I do for the American Red Cross is kind of a combination of like sales and marketing and event planning. Um, I work with groups um, on campus, especially uh, examples are like CSLEPS, uh, the College of textiles, the, the School of Veterinary Medicine, and I work with those sponsors to establish a good site to host the blood drive in, what hours we can set the blood drive, best recruitment practices for those uh, committees with those sponsors to go out and get students aware and engaged and involved and have them sign up uh, to donate blood. And I've been with the American Red Cross for a year and a half, but I came from the Southwest where I did this job for several years, so I've been doing this for about four years now in my overall career. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. And um, 
I'd like to know, and I think the audience would like to know, why is it that that blood drives and donation of blood is so important in society these days? It's especially important because hospitals cannot receive blood for patient need unless it is donated. That is a federal law. So if somebody has ever donated blood for money, that blood does not go to hospitals. The only way that it goes to a hospital is with an organization like ours, where we collect the blood. It is a donation basis only, and then the patients that are in need will receive that blood once it's processed in our labs and uh, gone through some testing, and then it's shipped off to the hospitals that need it. Okay, um, interesting. And so we've gone through why uh, blood drives are important and um, where the blood is going. Um, so I guess t- tell me a little bit about who the end user is and who is this blood helping. Like what? Can I can I please uh, understand that and Absolutely. have the audience understand that? Sure. The the key users of blood in hospitals are cancer patients, folks who have undergone some level of trauma, and uh, especially children who have undergone various levels of trauma. Uh, when it comes to blood going into the hospitals, um, you know, folks in emergency rooms, people going in for operations, people undergoing chemo treatments, all need some form of blood depending on an accident they've had or maybe a medical condition Um, because it's not always a car accident that's going to cause somebody to need blood it could be somebody whose uh, blood levels are low their iron levels are low and they need a transfusion it could be that cancer patient that needs a donation of platelets while they're receiving chemo or radiation treatments Um, and and so it's it's an aspect of the folks who need it in the hospitals are why and where it goes to are there any disqualifiers for donors um, to uh, give blood at the donation coming up this week? Uh, some of the disqualifiers can be international travel, can be medication, can be things in their health histories, like if they've had any variety of diseases or health complications. Um, and all of those can be clarified in advance before even making an appointment or doing a walk-in by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. We have staff ready to take your call, and uh, if, if you have a medication you're not sure if it'll affect uh, the donation, you're welcome to ask them that. If you've been out of the country in the last 12 months, you can tell them where, and they can tell you if it's a yes or a no at this time, different stuff like that. And there are some things that can defer you, uh, like blood thinners can defer you, for example, like uh, warfarin or Coumadin. Um, a lot of folks in the past who were diabetic couldn't donate, but now they can so long as they meet certain qualifications. Um, some insulins that diabetic uh, patients use are organic, and that has a bovine derivative in it. So it, it, it goes kind of back to the mad cow thing. Um, so if somebody's using a synthetic insulin and they're keeping their blood sugars regulated, they can donate. Um, but as far as synthetics go, there's even pill forms like metformin that have a blood thinner in it. And that goes back to the whole blood thinner thing. So if anybody's unsure about their health history, about their medication or their international travel, just call 1-800-RED-CROSS and they'll help you know if it's safe for you and safe for the blood supply. Because that's the key thing. It's not just about us giving you a hard no or a soft no because it's what the chart says. It boils down to the safety of you and the safety of the patient receiving the blood. Okay. Uh, What is the blood type that's most in demand right now? 
Usually the answer for that would be O negative because O negative is the universal blood type. It's often referred to as the rarest blood type. Statistically, that's not so much the case, but it is the universal. Anybody can receive O negative red cells. A lot of the stuff we've been seeing lately because of the summer appeal we've been in, and a summer appeal is a, a increased heightened urgency and emergency need, uh, has been O positive, surprisingly, even though that is the largest population of blood type. But when it comes down to it, all types are needed. Because just, I may have A positive, you may have O negative, but we're not the only ones. So when it comes to blood types, everybody needs blood and your type is gonna match somebody. Are you able to tell the uh, donor right on the spot what blood type they have? Oftentimes, especially with the NC State Mega Drive, our staff will have uh, typing kits and if a person does not know their blood type and we may need specific donation types, we can usually type them to find out if they meet a criteria of one type of donation versus another. Uh, the two types we do on a mobile drive like this are either whole blood, the traditional one pint, or a power red, where instead of it being 500 milliliters, which is a pint, it's actually 400 milliliters, it's, it's a slower volume of just red cells. And for that we focus on O negative, O positive, A negative, and B negative. And uh, people that donate power reds need to meet a certain height and weight requirement. But the neat thing about that one is you keep your plasma on platelets. And at the end of the donation, you get a unit of saline, which is what folks in hospitals receive for hydration. So you actually walk out of a power red donation more hydrated than you came in. Interesting. But again, there's certain height and weight requirements higher than the traditional donation requirements. And you do need to be one of the four types because hospitals need red cells the most from O negative, O positive, A negative, and B negative uh, donor types. Okay. All right, thank you. Now, um, I'm a first time, I, I've never donated blood before, and I want to come to the Tally Student Center um, this week and donate. So, could you just walk me through really quick on uh, what I can expect? Absolutely. Before I go into what you can expect, I want to tell you important things you should do beforehand. Um, a lot of folks when they get blood drawn for lab testing are told to fast and limit their liquids. That is the exact opposite of what you want to do when you donate blood. You want to make sure you have good nutrients, you want to make sure you're eating well, and you want to make sure you're hydrating. You want to eat well because it's good for you. It's also good for the blood. You're kind of fattening it up, giving it nutrition so that somebody who's receiving it in the hospital may not be able to eat, but if they're getting good nutrition through the blood they're getting transfused, it's helping give them nutrition. You wanna hydrate well, because if you are dehydrated, your veins are smaller, they're constricted. But if you hydrate well, they are expanding and there's better vascularization, so the needle goes in with less of a pinch, if at all, and it's easier to find your veins, so you have better success for comfort when you're donating. So do eat well, focus on irons and proteins, do drink plenty of water, try to limit caffeine. I know we're on a college campus and that's gonna be a hard thing, but don't pound two monsters before you come in to donate. Save that for after. Um, but what you can expect the day of is you wanna make sure you have your photo ID on you. Primarily a driver's license if possible because it shows your birthday, it tells us how old you are, gives us your name, picture, we know who you are that way. You come in, you sign in, you sit down and you read through the printed materials that we have for your review while you wait. You get called in, you do the health history interview where they go over travel history, medications, all that stuff. And if you pass that part, you do a quick mini physical where you get your iron level checked, get your blood pressure checked. And then when you end up in the chair, 
you donate that life-saving gift that's going to help impact somebody's life. A whole blood donation can help save up to three lives. A power red donation can save up to two lives. And so while you're in the chair, you can almost feel like a superhero. But instead of having the red cape on your back, you've got a red cape in coming from your arm, that precious gift that's going to help somebody's family. Help somebody survive to see their kids grow up. Help somebody survive to see their grandkids you know, graduate high school and college. You're going to impact somebody's life in such a way that it makes you a superhero. And afterwards, we give you refreshments and snacks, and that goes back to the Biscuitville donation. We're going to have food. Thanks, Mike. Now, um, one last thing. Do you have any interesting stories that you'd like to share to the audience about your experience being in this business? Absolutely. We have had numerous patient stories that talk about people who would not still be thriving and enjoying time on this earth if it wasn't for blood we, co- we collected. Last year we did a patient story on a young baby whose name was Camden, well not was, is Camden, and had it not been for blood collected by the Red Cross, that young child wouldn't be here today. They had a medical condition that would have ended their life, and the transfusions kept them fighting. And their ha- ha- Camden is happy and healthy to this day. There was an incident back uh, in the summer at a government baseball game where a gunman came to shoot people, and somebody at the game took the guy out and got critically wounded. He received American Red Cross blood, and he's not only viewed upon as a hero for saving lives, but his life was saved by blood collected by us. So it really boils down to what miracle stories will come from the 800 units we'll collect this week. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate your time and your passion. And uh, any last words? Absolutely. If anybody would like to make an appointment, I I recommend and encourage you to please go to redcrossblood.org and use sponsor code NCSU to make your appointment today. Appointment holders do have a priority, but walk-ins are welcome, and we will do our best to get you in as quick as we can. So please definitely do come out. We have 800 units to collect, and we only have about 100-plus people signed up for each day so far. And I know that you know this campus is great about getting people to sign up at the last minute, so hopefully hearing this message, you'll be one of those lifesavers that'll get it in and, and we'll we'll see you come on out and, and also if you have a chance redcrossblood.org slash rapid pass go to that website the morning of do the rapid pass on your phone or on your computer you can either print it out you can email it to yourself or or screenshot it on your phone that'll help take some time out of your donation process because the interview then if you green light and clear everything based on the barcodes we'll scan off that rapid pass you'll go straight to your mini physical and you're, out, you're in the chair that much quicker and out that much faster okay mike i really appreciate your time this is matt schneider signing off wknc raleigh north carolina Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. After a six-year hiatus, Broken Social Scene returns with their latest album, Hug of Thunder. The question is, how good is it? And was it worth the wait? 
As someone who is not formally acquainted with Broken Social Scene or a majority of their prior catalog, I decided to take a look at this album from an outsider's perspective. Broken Social Scene have obviously established their following and have earned their reputation as an indie rock icon, so I don't see the need to try to compare this album to their previous work so much. While understanding the direction of a band and comparing how it's changed over the years is sometimes a valuable perspective to have when looking at an album, it may work against the group after such a long hiatus. Built-up anticipation, nostalgia, and years of compounded review can cause fans and critics alike to create an unfair expectation of what a new album should be. As such, I think it's only fair to try to review this album from the perspective of whether or not it can stand on its own without the stigma or hype that a fan of the group might be attaching to it. To start off, Hug of Thunder falls somewhere on the subgenre spectrum between experimental indie and indie pop. There are some rock roots that show in the guitar riffs here and there, and on the quieter songs you can feel a stronger gritty vibe hidden beneath layers of harmonies and atmospheric synths laced with reverb and echo, but for the most part, the album comes off as dreamy and oddly pure, kind of like polyphonic spree but without the elitism of being clad in white robes and having an entire choir to back one guy playing the guitar. This album seems self-aware enough to know that it doesn't need to pander. None of it feels forced in the way that a beloved 90s grunge band returning for their 20th album would. This is music made for the sake of making music, not for the sake of money or to please a rabid fanbase or even to keep the legend of the band going in some way. It only makes sense that this would be the case as well, since all of the members appear to be financially stable and artistically fulfilled through a series of other associated acts, including other beloved indie bands such as Metric, Feist, and Stars. Hug of Thunder comes from an emotionally true place, made with care and precision. The best way to describe it would be to say that Hug of Thunder is an exceptionally pretty album. It's cleanly produced, very intricate in terms of vocals and instrumentation, and the songwriting favors the style excellently. But there's a flip side to being pretty and picturesque as an indie band, and that's that you start to edge closer and closer to sounding like generic indie. The kind of indie that people associate with being a genre instead of a financial or promotional standpoint in a band's career. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can also mean losing that unique personal charm that lesser-known bands are typically known for. As it stands, Hug of Thunder is an album obsessed with overall sound instead of moments. You won't differentiate much between tracks on this album unless you're really into that style of sound. Even more likely, you won't be able to pick out a specific riff or vocal run that you particularly loved. It's a steady, consistent ride to the finish, that's all well and good if you're really obsessed with the nuances of this particular type of ride, but is easily viewed as repetitive or lacking in substance if you aren't already a fan of the general aesthetic. Overall, I'd say Hug of Thunder is a good album. It's got all the elements of good songwriting and performance, and it doesn't try to pander to the band's prior audience. You may find it difficult to get past the outer layer of the album's sound, but give it a listen either way. It may be just right for you, even if it wasn't for me. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Linz, Klesk, Meerkat, Floatstar, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. If you'd like to send in a review request, please email publicaffairs at wknc.org or send us a tweet at wknc underscore EOT. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on 88.1 WKNC HD1 Raleigh. I'm Nick Weaver, joined by Matt Schneider and Marissa, as always. It's time for some local trivia tidbit. You guys ready? Yep. I'm ready. All right, so today we're talking about Duke University removing the statue of Robert E. Lee. So the space is vacant now after an order from Duke President Vincent E. Price to remove the stone-carved representation of Confederate Army Gen- of the Confederate Army General. The university quietly removed the statue, then notified the media early Saturday. 
Uh, Duke leaders say the decision to remove the statue came after they saw the emotional reactions across uh, the campus and the nation to the criticism of Confederate statues and the battle flag uh, displayed in public spaces. Uh, now, this is something that's going on with a lot of universities right now. Uh, Chapel Hill in particular has Silent Sam, which is a Confederate statue, I think bronzed, uh, just like the one they pulled over in Durham. Uh, I read online somewhere that the bronze statues are actually really cheaply, were cheaply mass-produced back when they were first installed. And uh, part of the reason they were able to, pull, able to pull over the one in Durham mm. so easily is because the foundation was weakened. It was made out of a cheaper metal because it was just put out there like a dozen of them or so across NC, NC uh, you know, the state, not the college. But I, I think it's interesting uh, that they're having so much issue with, with moving these around and that it's only coming to light now, you know. I think it's in light of, especially around here, the Durham protests this past weekend, just, you know, different things happening becoming more relevant and current. Well, yeah. not that it wasn't always, but it's been brought to light. It's always been a debate. It's, I think it's very fascinating that it's taken this much you know, activity, this much controversy to really bring them to do anything about the statues. I, there's been demand for years for them to be taken down, to be moved into some sort of storage for historical significance, but not displayed openly. Uh, and, you know, Silent Sam in particular, I don't know about this statue. I don't know if it had a plaque or anything, but Silent Sam is not put in context uh it is a statue just with the name of the soldier or that it was modeled after uh and not a whole lot else it says we honor those who fell in the war uh i think on both sides or just on the confederate side but either way it's not contextualized so you know what do you think about that like should they all be taken down should they move somewhere I, you know it's uh it's a hot issue right now but i think it should have always been at the forefront of our minds in some way. In 2017, when you turn on the television on cable news or uh, various other outlets, and people are in the streets with Nazi regalia, uh, Ku Klux Klan outfits, and Confederate battle flags in professional protest gear, uh, battling it out in the street. And even here in uh, the Triangle area in Durham, you see all kinds of um, divisive figures uh, and and attitudes going on right now. Uh, the statues need to come down. They I think need, that's the predominant opinion right they now. They need to come down. And unfortunately, the, the way that they're doing them in, in Durham uh, is, you know, people are uh, like using uh, lassos and what have you to, to, right. to drag them down. And it, the issue with that is that they're facing legal scrutiny for that now because they are going to have to be responsible for the legal damages once, uh, or the, the monetary damages There's once a variety of the protesters that are uh, up on charges right now, and I think one of them got hit with felony charges. Yeah, and I think Fact check me that, on that, please. Honestly, that's awful, and I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the people that are pressing charges over that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, according to this article, the statue at Duke had been vandalized before its removal, so it was already not super popular. Uh, it was located in a chapel, which, honestly, I would say that's doubly inappropriate. Uh, Duke Definitely. removed it due to both safety concerns as well as the meaning behind the statue. So take that as you will. I would say that favor seems to be strongly right now in, towards removing it, and I don't know why there's so much opposition to doing so, possibly because of cost, possibly because of something else. It's odd. It's a weird world that we're living in right now. But, hey, I guess that means it's time to transition into something else. Marissa, what have we got here? Well, I guess that concludes our local, local trivia tidbit. It's now time for this day in history, even though I think today, technically, we made history. How so? Oh, the solar eclipse. Uh, uh, yes. I'm a smart cookie. <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys out there watched it today. Um, I was viewing it from 
downtown Raleigh. It still was pretty cool. I don't know about you guys. Did you see I, it? Uh, I aimed my phone at the sun and took Snapchat pictures of it. I went to Shelly Lake and I talked to a bunch of people and we'll probably hear a segment about it next week. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, I definitely enjoyed it, though. Give me a break at work. That was pretty cool. Mm, yeah, you work at the museum. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah, doubly science-y today. Well, anyway, um, Matt, you want to take it away for this day in history? Sure. In 1911, the theft of Mona Lisa is discovered. Right. Uh, was that, oh, gosh, what was the context around that? Who stole it? What was it? I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> We're going to have to look that up. Uh, let me take a look at that real quick. Okay. The next one's pretty easy. Well, Nick's looking up uh, Mona Lisa. What is the next one? 1959, Hawaii becomes the 50th state. Hey, Hawaii. We got that in some sort of... Oh, no, we took over Hawaii. We annexed it. I was going to say we got that in some sort of land deal like Alaska, but no, no, we definitely invaded Hawaii. Okay, 1911, theft of Mona Lisa. Uh, An amateur painter sets up his ease. Oh, this is all flavor text. Uh, Scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, Looks like it was just stolen out of the Louvre. Former employee possibly claimed that he had acted out of a patriotic duty to avenge Italy on behalf of Napoleon. Wow, there's a lot to that. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to say go look that up on your own if you're interested in finding out more about the theft of the Mona Lisa. Uh, Good article on it, though, I think. Uh, What's up next on that list? Oh, an all-time classic. In 1987, Dirty Dancing Opens. My mom's favorite movie. Patrick Swayze and... Who, Baby? Was that her name? <laughs> I've I think actually her name never was Baby. seen it. <laughs> her, uh, her nickname was Baby. If anyone knows the name of the actress, I'll be surprised. Uh, I don't think she did anything else besides Dancing with the Stars. Uh, the only reason I remember that was because it was a huge meme. They uh, brought her back for that, huh? Yeah, uh, that's... Is that all she did? They, they dragged her up from the dead. Honestly, <laughs> the no dead. idea. <laughs> Somebody was dancing with a zombie that the season? The one move. Yeah, the one move. The, the one. one move, yeah. They absolutely capitalized Marissa that. knows the move. I think we all do. <laughs> all right. One more on the uh, this day in history list. Give it to us. In, oh, this is a good one. In 2004, Michael Phelps wins his eighth medal. Eighth gold medal, is it the gold, gold Yeah, he's... Uh, I would he's, assume gold. He's, yeah, he's got to be the most decorated gold medal guy. God, that's forever ago. I, I didn't realize when I was writing this, I did not realize that he had been around since 2004. Don't. Well, yeah, he's pretty old, Marissa. Don't and actually, I'm an old guy, so I take offense to that. But uh, <laughs> I wasn't exactly aware. I think in he's my age, to be honest with you. But Phelps, do not count him out in the next Olympics as like probably the oldest swimmer of all time to be. Awesome. Really, I, I would I would think that would. I thought he was like 27 right now. Nah, he's what? I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking he's early 30s. Maybe? I think he's early 30s. I'm thinking he's 32, 33. I think he's married now too. He is married. Maybe he's 32. He does 32. have a kid. Ah. He has a kid. About, oh, wow, kid. he's older than Usain Bolt. Love love that guy. And uh younger than Ryan Lochte, which is actually the real shocker here. Yeah. Ryan Lochte looks like he's like 14, man. He was not he did not behave well. Yeah, last let's Olympics. Hope we don't see him again. Yeah, let's get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, that was a controversy that I uh, am not informed on. Uh, okay, that wraps it up for this day in history. Uh, let's talk about some news. Obviously, as we've already mentioned, the eclipse has been the big event of today. So I thought we'd share some news from NASA about the longevity of your eclipse glasses. Right, Matt. The previous belief was that eclipse glasses would expire after three years, but NASA has said that if your eclipse glasses or viewers are compliant with the ISO 12312-2 safety standard, you can reuse them indefinitely. What? How are you going to reuse 
safety glasses for a once in a lifetime eclipse? Well, maybe if you're not in the U.S. Because the next one will be in 2024, but who knows what will be. Did you guys have the glasses today? I actually did. Do you, yeah. Can you confirm Can you confirm that they were uh, ISO 12312-2? Oh, we're about to find out. She's <laughs> pulling them out of her bag. Uh, I didn't bother. That line was eternal. And uh, most days I can't be bothered to stand in line for Chick-fil-A at the atrium, much less stand in an hour and a half line outside in the blazing heat for glasses that I'm going to throw away the next day. So I actually got these well, thanks, from my Nick. roommate. <laughs> um, so I didn't have to wait in line. Thank you, roommate. Um, so it, they actually do comply with the ISO 12312-2. So wow. if I am wherever in the world, the totality will be in 2024. I can check that out. Now, do you know how to repurpose them? I don't know how to repurpose okay. them. Okay, <laughs> all right. I think it's just like you can reuse them. That's my guess for where it's going to be. Yeah, somewhere in in East Asia. Probably. Maybe I'll go there. Just hopefully I'll be rich enough by then. Yeah. Well, you take us. You have money you're going to make. You know, I don't think I want to spend the money to go see the solar eclipse in another country. Uh, Perhaps just get like some foreign food and have fun at weird vacation destinations. Uh, Solar eclipse, not worth $500 of airfare, but, you know, to each their own. Well, you know, it could just be like one event in many. Yeah, but sure. Nick, you weren't in the totality zone today. Oh, no. I, you so, know, I really you... wanted to be. I wanted to be because I feel like if I had gotten to see the sun blacked out and the sky turned slightly red, it would have been cooler. But as it was, I just saw a weird white shape next to the sun in my Snapchat filter. So I would have gone um. to... Uh... I would have gone to South Carolina if I could have, but I had too many classes and work today. And of course, we're here. A couple from the technician did. Oh, that's pretty cool. I hope they got some good pictures. Yeah. So uh, apparently the standards were adopted in 2015, Mm. uh, meaning your classes should comply. The next eclipse will be in 2024, as we said, although Raleigh will not be in the path of totality, obviously, which, uh, you know, shame, but whatever. Uh, Someday we'll get to see the blood red eyeball of God, as some call it. 2024 is also a presidential year, presidential election year. Man, you know, we're just... As is 2020. We live in, like, the weirdest time. We got a solar eclipse going when Trump is here. There will be one for, like, the election when he becomes the third year or third run dictator. Did you see that that President Trump looked at the uh, solar eclipse in the inappropriate manner without the glasses? Yeah, he was just staring at it. He just stared right at it. Melania had the right idea with some really thick, dark sunglasses, but he was just squinting away. Yeah, yeah, she had the glasses. I think he may have gotten laser uh, superpowers from it. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God, that's the last thing. Yeah, like Cyclops, you know? Eric uh, Eric didn't even bother. Eric was just staring was at he the there in that? Was he in that yeah, picture? Yeah, he, he was I just playing them. with like, some sort of tube toy, looking at his feet. <laughs> he was like, I don't care. It's not my deal. <laughs> uh, that about does it for this week's show. Thanks for joining us on this fantastic Monday afternoon, which is our new time from now on. Uh, as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. Our intro music today was our classic opener, Connie by L1011. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. I'd like to thank our contributors and the rest of our staff here at Eye on the Triangle, as well as Matthew for joining us today. Uh, For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Weaver, wishing you all a fantastic Monday afternoon. Pleasure to be here, guys. Be sure Uh, to... Be sure to catch us again next week um, on Monday from the 7 to 8 time slot and our new Wednesday 7 to 8 a.m. rerun slot. We hope to have that working this week.
And if you're interested in having your art featured on the show or producing segments for the show, please let us know by emailing us at publicaffairs at wknc.org. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening in. You know the drill. Stay tuned for your usual programming of amazing ending music, and we'll see you all again next time.